Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. I'm going to answer a bunch of questions that I have gotten over the past two months that I've had this podcast about astrology, and this is a little bit of how the sausage is made kind of stuff. Okay. So the first question I got asked is some people who are adopted don't know their true birth dates or location as to where they're born. It's a tragic hole in a person's story that most people don't consider. I'm a fortunate adoptee in that I know those details of my story. My wife, however, does not. She was born in the Philippines, but the true age is unknown as she was found in Manila. Is there a way for people like my wife to engage in astrology? What would you recommend to someone like her? Thank you for all your work and sharing your insights. You're welcome. So um, the answer to this question is unfortunately pretty brief. In order to get your birth chart, you need to know your birth date, your exact time of birth, and the city and state or province of your birth. So you need your exact location, aka latitude and longitude of your birth. And if you don't know your exact time of birth, and if you don't know your location of birth, you know, and you, but you do know your date, you can work with astrology because what you can do is you can find out where all the planets were and the aspects between the planets. And that's a lot of information. It's not a birth chart, but it's a lot of information. However, sadly, and I'm really sorry to say this, if you don't know the date of your birth, it's really not possible to know where the planets were. And so it makes it really tricky. Now, there is a process with astrology called rectification. And rectification is the process of figuring out a person's exact time of birth. And there are different systems that can be done, you know, in order to rectify a birth chart. I personally do rectification. It's way easier when somebody's like, it was in the morning. But when there's a situation where there's not an exact day of birth, I think it's feasible that other astrologers would rectify the date. I personally don't know how to do that and wouldn't know where to refer you. So I am sorry about that. But I think it's an important question because I do work with a lot of people who are adopted or people who don't have exact times and and different layers of this question has have come up quite a bit in my work. The next question I'm going to answer is I was looking to further my studies into astrology is and was wondering which house system you use and why. My time passages app has been set to default of Placidus. And so I've identified with certain placements over the last year. But after seeing my whole sign chart, I'm a little bit befuddled that there are options. Should I be looking at other house systems? So again, this is a little technical, my friends. If you don't know what a house system is, just wait. I'm going to get to more good stuff. So here's the thing. I am a Capricorn. I like a system. And when I was first learning astrology, I had an astrology teacher who was also a Capricorn. And what he said to me is what I will say to you. Experiment with every house system. Take the time to understand your birth chart in every house system. And, you know, there's a bazillion of them. So all the major ones, whole sign. I personally use Campanus, which I'll explain why in a moment. Placidus, Koch. Uh, there's there's a, a bunch of them. So run your chart in all of them and then decide what is the most accurate and stick with it. Now, I have a lot of friends who are not Capricorns who would think that is terrible advice. So use this advice at your own, at your own discretion. I personally think that, you know, it's, it is more effective to learn one system and to stay with that system and to be consistent within that system because there's so many variables with astrology that when you're bouncing back and forth between house systems, I mean, I kind of want you to already be an expert before you start messing with that. So that's my take on that. Now to answer the question of what house system I use, I use a house system called Campanus. 
And I will be honest, I know a lot of astrologers. I know a lot of astrologers and I don't know anybody who uses this house system. So, uh, you know, use it at your peril, but there's a reason why I use it. And I use it because when you're using different house systems, no matter what house system you use, your ascendant and your midheaven, aka your identity and your career points remain the same. However, all the other house cusps, they they change. And one of the things that I do is prenatal astrology, and I'm also a medical astrologer. And so I look at conditions early in the childhood, but also before you were born, what was going on in your family line. And I think it's really useful in looking at ancestral issues, understanding class and immigration impacts on you, even if it wasn't directly from your felt experience. I could go on. I'm very passionate about this. But Campanus House Systems gives you lots of wonky shapes of houses and something called intercept signs. And that is when you have 30 degrees of a sign in a house where there are different signs on each house cusp. I hope that makes sense. I hope I'm not getting too far in the weeds. But the point is, Campanus is singular in giving me that kind of data and it really works and I find it really rich. And I encourage you to check it out if you're interested. And if you're not interested, I encourage you to move on with your life because astrology is fascinating and you don't want to get too caught up in this. Pick a system that makes the most sense to you is my answer. Going to my next question, friends. Do you have any thoughts on astrological transits that tend to inspire fear and how to work with them in a constructive or positive way? This is a great question. There are so many transits that tend to inspire fear. In fact, with Venus retrograde, I got lots of questions from people who were terrified of Venus retrograde. And it is, I would say, objectively not a scary transit. It's very easy when dealing with anything mystical, especially something like astrology that is both mystical slash also mathematical. So it's like we can track dates and specific events. It's very easy with this sort of stuff to freak out. So first of all, not all things that people seem to think are scary are actually that scary. TBH, not all things people think are going to be great are actually that great. So, you know, you want to treat astrology a lot like you would treat a rash. Don't look it up on the internet (laughs) when you're freaking out. You know what I mean? Because you can't discern, like you don't know. How are you to know? Why do you have a rash? Are you gonna are you gonna diagnose yourself really? Are you really gonna diagnose yourself? I mean, if you're anything like me, then maybe yes, you will. But then you will also regret it if you're anything like me. So that's one layer of my answer is if you feel vulnerable, if you feel uncertain and you've seen something on the internet that scares you, consult with a professional and ideally consult with a professional who is an expert, you know, somebody who is well, uh, well versed in such things. Now, that said, there are scary transits. And it's just, you know, the thing about astrology that you don't want to lose track of is astrology is a system for understanding life and life is scary. And I'm not trying to say you should be more scared than you already are, but you know, life is scary, right? Like you, you've looked at the world. The world is scary. Having a body is, yeah, it's a whole liability. It's scary. Having a heart, a tender, tender heart, it's scary. And so what astrology does is it gives us a sense of what's happening, why, and for how long. And what we don't know is if it'll be really traumatic or if it'll bring up feelings or experiences that are traumatic. You know, astrologers can get a real sense of that, but we, we can't know it. We can know the the kind of like tone 
and we can know the energy and we can know the lesson you're intended to learn. But the specifics are a concert of your free will, your circumstances, and, you know, a million other things. And so the thing I would simply say about this, and and maybe it's actually not that simple, but the thing I would say about this is that when you're looking at your own birth chart, you are absolutely 100% subjective. You are not objective. This is why professional skilled astrologers consult with other professional skilled astrologers, because when you're looking for something good, you're likely to see it. When you're looking for something bad, you're likely to see it. I mean, if somebody lends you a Jeep, they had a Jeep and you started driving around their Jeep because it's not your usual car, but whatever, you're driving a Jeep, you'll be on the road and all of a sudden you'll be like, holy shit, there's Jeeps everywhere. We tend to see what we're looking for, right? And so when you see something difficult coming, as soon as you get scared, you're going to start seeing the evidence of what you're scared of. And, and that is the tricky part of not just astrology, but psychology and all kinds of other ways of understanding the human condition. So I would say to be really conservative with how much you research once you've determined that something looks scary. Okay. And then there's a final answer that I'm going to give you about this, which is when I see scary transits coming for me, me personally, I freak out. Sure I do. Of course I do. I'm just a girl. But then what I do is I start to think, okay, so what are the opportunities? Like, what is it that I, you know, if it's, for instance, a Pluto transit, Pluto transits last two years. So it's a big deal. And Pluto is always a big deal. But what I'd like to do is look at, okay, so what is it that I can learn? What is it that I believe I need to let go of? What is it that I need to step into power around? Because those are themes that come up with Pluto. Generally, my felt experience, what actually happens is I resist it and I freak out if something difficult or bad does happen until I get close to the end of the transit. Because here's the thing that is freaking awesome about astrology, aka life. Some transits that we go through, they happen once in a lifetime. For instance, like Pluto transits. They happen once in a lifetime. And what that means is they are once in a lifetime opportunities to grow and learn and experience things. And if we can kind of lean into that and, and essentially what leaning into that is, is accepting this is this moment, this one moment is my moment. And I get to make the best possible choices or the worst possible choices and, or anything in between in this moment. What do I choose? Who am I? Who do I choose to be? You know, when you can kind of accept that and, and start to work with that, then what I tend to do is start to panic that the transit's almost over and I'm almost done with the opportunity to learn in this particular way. It's weird. You know, life is weird. But that's basically my, my kind of gift to share with you is that whatever you're going through, the good, the bad, the ugly, there's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. Seek the reason. Seek your agency. Seek the lesson. Uh, seek the gift in it. And know that you do have agency within a kind of confined set of, of circumstances. And the more willing you are to accept where you're starting from and make good choices from that place, the better, my friends, the better. So, okay, this is a good one. So I've always had an interest in astrology and the horoscope. And when I learned through my birth chart that my sun sign was Capricorn and not Aquarius, I was a bit disappointed um, as only a small part of me does identify with it. However, my moon sign is Aquarius and I am so Aquarian. So my question is, can a moon sign be more powerful than a sun sign? Okay, so there's two layers of my response to this. The first is, fuck, yeah, it can. The sun is your identity. It is your sense of self. The moon is your feelings. It's how you emotionally process and digest emotion, right? Or, or experience. It's not just emotion. 
And we know that, you know, we have our central nervous system in our brain, but whoa, what about the one in our stomach, right? We have, we have, we experience so much through our gut. And so yes, 100%, the moon sign is huge. In astrology circles, we kind of focus on sun, moon rising as like your big sense of self uh, points. Now, the reason why in Western society, we deal with the sun sign is for a couple of reasons, but probably, you know, the, the biggest one is because it's so easy to track. It moves so consistently through the sky and also, you know, nice, nice capitalistic patriarchal society. Of course, we're going to deal with the sun, the identity, the sense of self. You like lead with the brightest light, you know, that just makes sense. And so, yes, your moon sign can be bigger than your sun sign. Now, that said, here's my other thing. Capricorn to Capricorn, if I may say. Capricorn to Capricorn. A lot of astrology textbooks will tell you Capricorns are concerned with money and they're very self-serious and they're very, um, you know, mature and everything they want to do is really conservative. And I will tell you as a person with sun, moon and rising all in Capricorn, that's not necessarily true. I think of the sign of Capricorn as much like Mary Poppins. It is a deeply magical sign and it, it's magic kind of lies in the material world. And so my advice to you is to make sure that you are, are seeking effective resources for understanding what Capricorn is, because I think that many of the signs kind of get stereotyped in a really weird way. And I think this kind of like conservative uptight thing, it is one way that Capricorn can be, you know, when Capricorn's not being Miss Poppins, Miss Mary Poppins, you know, Capricorn's all Darth Vader, just monotone outfit, daddy issues up the wazoo, playing power struggles. I mean, just look to government. I'm sure there's tons of Capricorns there. You know, there's, there's both sides of Capricorn, but to be a Capricorn doesn't mean you're stuck in being a Darth Vader. You can be a Miss Mary Poppins. Finally, my last question on this section is, what are the differences between using astrology and other wonderful branches of woo as a tool versus a crutch? Based on your work over the years, have you found that some uses of it are more effective than others? Oh, I'm joie. I love this question. This is such an important question. Yes, people use it as a crutch. And how is that? <laughs> Lots of ways. A big one is through sun sign stereotyping. This is not something I'm a fan of, aka I hate it. Um, sun sign stereotyping is lazy astrology. Let's just start with that. That's really minimizing people. It's it's taking them down to a weird, stupid soundbite. We're not tweets, guys. We're not tweets. So when we minimize other people through the use of astrology, we have missed the freaking point of astrology. When we use astrology as a way to pathologize ourselves or other people, to explain away human behavior, that's not an effective use of astrology. And I think that what the biggest mistake that I see people make with all manner of woo is that we have an idea, right? We have an idea that we are investigating, we're learning about a spiritual concept, and we start to process it, and we're, and we're unpacking it, and we're making sense of it, and then that's it. We don't actually do the emotional integration work. We don't do the emotional work. In order to have a well-vetted and truly uh, useful spiritual toolkit, it has to go through not only your brain and not only the ether, but also your heart and your material body. Because we have come here in physical bodies, living in a physical world for a damn reason. And that reason is to bring consciousness, awareness, love, and embodiment to those things. No big deal. 
that's all. But seriously, I, that is what I believe. And so I see the most common way that people kind of use this stuff as a crutch is by staying in the mental chakra, staying in mercury, however you want to think of it, and not really doing the emotional integration work, but instead staying in the state of ideas. And, you know, on social media, I see a lot of a lot of really defensive posting, you know, it's like people are shitty and I am not, I'm not going to handle you. I'm just going to handle me. Like there's this real me, 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 me thing. And Hey, on the one hand, it's just posts, whatevs. And on the other hand, we can kind of do spiritual bypassing where we, where we feel entitled to whatever we're going through because of how powerful our feelings are and how compelling our feelings are. And we don't listen and we don't sit with humility it's hard. It's hard to be humble. And, you know, so much of what I talk about with social justice and really understanding that politics and spirituality are deeply connected. Another thing I see where people use spirituality as a crutch is they stay in their white light, in their posy vibes only. And they don't do the work of really understanding that injustice for one is injustice for all. They don't do the work of understanding that you know, we are meant to be a part of this larger energy field of humanity. We, we are meant to be a part of it because we are a part of it, whether we fuck off or not, whether we care or not, we are a part of it. And so if you are inevitably a part of something larger than you, why wouldn't you feel called to participate to the best of your ability, right? And that's kind of what I think spirituality is, is in part intended to be. When we stay in the mental chakra and it's like, you know, ideas, and thoughts and attitudes instead of embodied emotional and spiritual work, then we don't really make that connection. And, you know, I'm not trying to shit on anyone's path. We have to spend time in every uh, phase of development at, and in different ways and to different extents. And that's just life. So I personally also don't believe in like the, the hierarchies of like high level, low level. And also sometimes things are high level and sometimes things are low level. I don't know. It's complicated. I believe in duality. Do you believe in duality? I've gone off on a tangent. And, and I'll just bring it back to say every tool that we use in life is only effective until it isn't. This is the boner about being a human. You know, you're a little kid and all you want to be is a teenager because teenagers seem like the coolest thing in the world. And then you're a fucking teenager and you're like, ah, my hormones, this is awful. I have no control over my life. I want to be an adult. And then you become an adult and then you're like, oh my God, I have to pay bills and there's taxes. What are taxes? Oh my God, what do I do? Is that, what is, what's an APR? I don't know what an APR is. Like it goes on and on and on. We're not meant to go to one place and stay at that place and be happy forevermore. We're meant to grow and change and adapt. We're meant to struggle and pick ourselves up and adapt. And so when we allow our spiritual toolkit to be a supportive agent for that, when we're willing to kind of um, grow, develop, and uh, mature our spiritual toolkit, then you can't go wrong, really. Even if you make mistakes, even if you terribly fuck up, you can't go wrong because you'll be learning from those mistakes. So that's my take on it. Um, you know how I love you. It's just what I do. It's just what I do. Hello and welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast, Astrology Corner. This week, the week of October 21st through the 27th of 2018, there is so much happening astrologically, including an explosive, intense full moon and the sun moving into Scorpio. I'm going to give you all the deets. I'm going to give you all the deets. But before I do that, let me just say a word about Scorpio in general. Scorpio is associated 
with all kinds of heavy things. I see online people give all kinds of hate to Scorpios with astrology. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of like hating on people because of signs. Whenever you don't like a sign in astrology, it is because you don't like something about yourself or it is a reflection of your chart. It is not objectively any one particular sun sign is bad or good. And the only reason why you you personally attract people who are a certain way is because of your chart. In other words, you know, all your friends might have the same experience of Libra women, but your friends are your friends. They're not necessarily the most vetted demographic of people that give you the most thorough data. So all to say, the reason why people have ish with Scorpio is because it's intense. And because that is the sign of the taboo, of the underbelly of society. Scorpio energies, people often confuse for fire energy, but it's actually water. Scorpio's waters are like the undertow of the ocean. They're deep, they're tumultuous. And when you engage with them, when you struggle against them too greatly, they pull you under. And that's scary. People who have a lot of Scorpio in their chart or whose sun sign is in Scorpio, they tend to be really intense. They have feelings that they experience on a really deep level. And because it's so deep and because there are so many layers that they experience, they're often motivated to be private or secretive. That's not necessarily nefarious. I don't know, maybe it is, but being an asshole is not in any way limited to one particular sun sign. Trust. (laughs) All the signs can be assholes in their own individual ways, but no one sign is an asshole. That's just not how astrology works. That's just not how astrology works, guys. But anyways, that desire for privacy and secrecy comes so much from having intense emotions and not knowing where to place them. And that's a really powerful thing. If you have a lot of Scorpio in you, if you have meaningful Scorpio people in your life, the key is to check in, to check in for consent. Like, are you okay to talk about this right now? Do you need space? That kind of thing. And if you're dealing with it in yourself, it's making space for your feelings. Because if there's one thing that Scorpio and Scorpio energies detest, it's abandonment. And so when we have powerful and intense emotions, when we have trauma or any other kind of emotion that feels like it's pulling us under, when we abandon ourselves, which is a really common human response, when we abandon ourselves in the face of our trauma, in the face of our pain, we only create greater injury. So it's a bandaid on a bullet wound. That's something for you to consider this week. It's certainly something for you to consider this Scorpio season and in life in general, if you can practice being present with even the most difficult or unpleasant feelings that you have, then you don't put salt in the wound by abandoning yourself. And if we were all able to do this, oh my God, what a totally different world we'd be living in because then we would be able to tolerate other people's pain instead of shut them down or make light of their pain. And then we would be able to ask for more of what we need from others because we would actually feel like we could tolerate it if they said no or if they failed us. Okay, so to your horoscope, my loves. On the 22nd of October, we have a Mercury sextile to Pluto. Now, this Mercury sextile to Pluto is really powerful. And it's not, it's certainly not a bad transit. It's not necessarily a painful transit at all. But what it does is it gives you a great and deep 
curiosity. It makes you really want to get to the bottom of things. If you've had to get through your emails, if there's some research project you've been putting off, if there's like a deep kind of difficult conversation that you need to have, this transit is excellent for all of those things. It's great for getting to the truth and it's a little bit gentle. I mean, it's intense, but it's gentle. Pluto is the ruling planet to the sign of Scorpio. And so wherever we have Pluto, we have the potential for growth and transformation. We also have the potential to work with what would otherwise be taboo or triggering content. So this is a really great time to pair your brains and your mind and your mouth, Mercury, (laughs) with Pluto, the, the capacity to grow and go deeper. On the 23rd, we have the sun moving into Scorpio. And this is really important because at the same time, the sun is sitting opposite Uranus in Taurus. Now, this means we have a really explosive start to Scorpio season. This is not going to be like your run of the mill, intense, like Scorpio season. No friends. No, this is going to be a time where secrets will be revealed. This is going to be a time where Much of what we have considered to be too taboo to talk about, much of what we have considered to be shameful, much of what we've had resentments around, it is coming up. It is coming to the surface. And the potential here is to change, right? Uranus is the bringer of change. It This planet brings a great deal of upsets, but these upsets are opportunity for greater freedom. And so instead of recoiling or shutting down in the face of upsets, try to be interested in them. Try to be open to being like, well, what is this? Why is my response the way it is? Why is this happening? And how can I leverage it into something that brings more freedom for me? for my relationships, or in the world around me. This is a really powerful time in history. Of course, you know, I love to talk about that. And there are a lot of ways I could see this playing out in a social and political arena, certainly within the environment. But where we have Uranus, we can expect the unexpected. For many people, when they hear, oh, this is going to be a time of upsets, they freak out and they're like, oh no, upsets equal bad, change equals bad. And that's not true. It can be uncomfortable. Uncomfortable can feel bad, but that doesn't make it bad. And so this is a really powerful time to be open to change, to really be honest with yourself about what needs to change and to know that uncomfortable topics are coming up, certainly around the 23rd, but in general, in Scorpio season, we are going to see a lot of uncomfortable things coming up. And when you can be compassionate and when you can remain present, this whole process goes much more gracefully. And when you go straight to judgment and defense, now we have problems. In Scorpio season, the enemies you make can really last you a nice long time. That's no good. So I'm not saying be a Pollyanna. I'm not saying be fake, but I am saying choose your actions, choose your battles, and choose your enemies wisely, friends. But I don't end there. How could I? There's so much more. On the 24th, we have a full moon. This full moon is in Taurus. Every time we have a full moon, it means that the moon is exactly opposite the sun. So if we're in Scorpio season, the full moon has to be in the sign of Taurus because Taurus is the opposite sign to Scorpio. Full moons are always powerful because they mark the closure of a cycle of development. And all of the feelings that you've been repressing or unable to fully express or understand, they start to come up. And that's why full moon feels feel 
full moon crazy. But this particular full moon is particularly something to talk about, which is we have a sun conjunction to Venus and we have a Uranus conjunction to the moon. Now this Uranus conjunction to the moon is powerful because it means that you're going to have really kind of surprising feelings. So it could be a surprising set of feelings that you weren't expecting. There could be, again, a revealing of a secret or the revealing of something that you just weren't planning on. This generally Uranus brings upsets and surprises. And because of the sun and Venus being so close, the indication here is that this will have to do with your personal relationships, your personal finances. Now we're keeping in mind that Venus is retrograde, right? And hopefully you've already heard the Venus retrograde episode of this podcast. That was number 14. Go back and listen to it if you haven't yet heard it. This Venus retrograde is is really just bringing up so many things. And you know what specifically is bringing up for you is individual to you in your chart. But what we can imagine is that this full moon is going to trigger whatever larger theme has been happening for you around this Venus retrograde. So as with all retrogrades, it's a time to get really honest with yourself about where you're at and what needs to change from the inside out. When we strive to change our outsides before we've really addressed our insides, you know, sometimes that really works and sometimes it doesn't really work. So this particular full moon is going to not only bring up upsets, but because we have a Saturn sextile to the sun, Venus in Scorpio, and it is trining to Uranus and the moon, what this means in English is that the capacity here for us to be able to make use of whatever it is that comes up, whether it's introspective or some dynamic in the relationship is really strong. So I don't want you to be scared by the potential changes and upsets that are coming with this full moon or the intensity of your emotions, because this is likely to kick up pretty intense emotions. Because of Saturn's placement, the indication here is that you will be able to figure things out, that you will have access to resources to support you in making use of whatever it is that happens. So your job is in part to be a resource for others if you can, if it's appropriate, and also to make use of those resources, to ask for help if you need it. You don't have to do it alone, right? And because we're dealing with Scorpio season, you may have the kind of impulse to keep things really private, and maybe that's healthy and appropriate, and maybe that's hiding. That's for you to decide, but it's certainly for you to ask yourself the question around. Look at what you're being secretive about and make sure that your motives are healthy and helping you grow. Okay. That's not all. On the 26th, we have an exact sun conjunction to Venus. So that is when that transit is exact. And you know what? It is a lovely, lovely transit. This is a really strong transit. And what I want to tell you about this particular day and, you know, a couple days on either side of it is if there is a conversation that you need to have, if there is a situation where you need to stand up and act in accordance with your values, if you need to make peace with someone that you love, this energy is excellent for it. This is Sun Venus conjunction you know, if you don't really do much with it, you're just going to notice it as kind of a nice day. You might want to eat a little extra. This kind of brings up some decadence. But if you make use of this energy, it is so beautiful for building diplomacy and intimacy and care for beauty. So if you're an artist, this is a great time to make it to the studio or whatever it is that you do your thing at. This is a really powerful time for finding grace and finding peace, and finding love. If you're fiscally minded, this is a great time for addressing your 
finances because you are less likely to be governed by a sense of scarcity and fear. And that's a really great moment to be accessing your finances from. Finally, the last transit of this week that I'm going to tell you about is a sun sextile to Saturn. These transits I mentioned from the full moon all becoming exact on these days. And sun sextile to Saturn is just a really stabilizing force. If you find yourself really upset around this day, you want to make sure that your life isn't really stable around things that make you unhappy. Because that's possible. A lot of us have stability and security in things we freaking hate. So if that's the case, you know, you're not going to love this transit. It's going to be a pain in your ass. But it's also useful because if you're willing to understand yourself and understand your conditions, you can start to make plans, one of Saturn's favorite things to do, to change your situation, to change yourself, to change your life. It's a great time to do anything around organization. It's a great time to follow through and get things done. Also, if you've been like, oh shoot, I need to like make it back to the gym or I need to cut back on my coffee consumption, whatever it is. If you're trying to really address habits, this is a great time to do it. It's a great time to really recommit to healthy habits because what we do with Saturn tends to lay foundations where we grow upon them. So that that can be quite useful. Okay, my friends. Another week, another podcast, another batch of astrology to share with you. I hope this is helpful. Not only do I hope that you make use of this astrology today, I hope you start tracking the consistencies with the transits and what I'm telling you about the planets themselves. Because the thing about astrology is it's all about cycles. And these cycles can be seen in really big picture, you know, every 30 years, like that kind of cycle of development. But we can also see cycles from week to week and month to month. And the more that we can stay present for the little things, it kind of makes the bigger things easier to cope with. And so hopefully you're accruing tools that aren't only interesting to you, but that you actually use. I don't expect you to use all the things. Not all the things are going to be resonant for you, but that you find a couple of things and you use them and you use them for a period of time to see how they work for you. And if they don't work, throw them away or put them on a shelf and try something else. You should tailor make your life to you. Find what works use it for as long as it works. And when it stops working, find a new way, my friends. I said, find a new way. All right. You know how I love you. You know how I love you so much. I also hope you know that I love it when you share the podcast, when you rate the podcast, when you like it, it does actually mean so much to me. And for all the incredibly kind and generous and lovely people who send me notes and emails. I just want to thank you so much. And if you do have a question for ghost of a podcast, go to my website at lovelaniato.com to the ghost of a podcast page. And therein you shall find a question form. You just write your question or send me a voice memo, you know, leave me your phone number. Maybe I need to call you. Maybe we need to talk. All right. Love y'all. Bye. Every year they say the end.